Welcome to the Destiny Awakening Interviews, a podcast with Andrew Wayfinder and his guests, bringing you powerful insights, inspiration, and ways to break free, live life your way, and make a difference in our changing and challenging world. So hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to another edition of the Destiny Awakening Interviews. I'm Andrew Wayfinder Runievich, and I'm joined here today by Dr. Yishai Barkodari, psychologist, adaptability hacker, host of The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, and adaptability coach and consultant, entrepreneurs, leaders, and their businesses. So a very warm welcome to Yishai, and where are you hanging out today? Thank you. Thanks for inviting me here. I am at home, like so many of us, uh, in Jersey. Okay. And what sort of weather are you going through there at the moment? You know, we had a couple of snowstorms. Right now, it actually kind of mellowed out. It was pretty warm today. I walked outside and um, actually took a walk this morning with my wife and uh, it was in the 40s. So it actually felt kind of balmy. Just a <laughs> yeah. sweater on today. <laughs> yeah, we're starting to get that here in London as well, which is really nice. So the reason I wanted to speak with Yishai with you today is because Yishai is a genius at helping entrepreneurs and business leaders transform disruption, challenge, and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence. Dr. Yishai uses his deep psychological training and experience to understand and harness our psychology in the unique way that humans have adapted to survive and thrive. And he does this by creating simple user-friendly tools to increase your adaptability and your ability to adapt into your greatest assets. And Yishai is going to unpack that idea for us in six questions. So the first question is, you know, who is the ideal client for this work that you do? And what's the transformation that you help them achieve? Yeah, so the people that I'm working with right now are entrepreneurs and business leaders. And as far as the transformation, it really has to do with the human challenges that we experience. All business is really oriented around people. There are people who work in it. The people who purchase or are our clients or our users, right? Everybody involved is a person. Now, there are lots of systems involved in business. There are lots of non-human components. The biggest problems, though, are people problems. And so the transformation that I really help entrepreneurs and business leaders experience is to go from a place where those human elements are really disruptive and really challenging to a place where every reaction, whether positive or negative, really helps fuel growth in themselves, their teams, and their companies. Yeah, I've got a, a coaching friend of mine who sort of says, says the same thing. Uh, I was complaining one day about you know, how doing psychological work seemed kind of soft and fluffy compared to the mm. guys who come in and say, well, I'm going to increase your bottom line by this or that percentage. And he said, remember, all business problems are personal problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And practically speaking, really what that means is that being able to adapt and be effective when challenge, not just the challenges, but the reactions that immediately follow those challenges show up, whether that's stress, overwhelm, fear, frustration, disappointment, anger, I mean, any and every kind of reaction that you can imagine. And it can also mean engineering more of the reactions that we want, experiencing more achievement, excitement, happiness, joy, curiosity, motivation, whether that's for ourselves, in our teams, our clients, customers, users, I mean, anybody and everybody. The thing about it is that it's actually really predictable. 
when you get down to it, when you break it apart, which is why I call myself an adaptability hacker, that's what I really spend so much of my time and energy doing is really pulling these things apart and making sense of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that sort of, I think, ties into question number two. In this scenario, what's the biggest challenge people are facing? Yeah, so one thing I've noticed is that many entrepreneurs and business leaders have developed really great routines, habits. They can have often really motivated mindsets. They're really on track. And when things are on track, it's going smoothly. They experience growth for themselves and in their business. But what really trips, what really trips you up is when a challenging situation shows up and there's a need for either you or your teams, there's a need to pivot, to shift, to adapt. I mean, we've been living in that kind of environment since about a year ago, and it's been an incredible struggle. And some have, have really been able to adapt and shift and pivot more or better than others. And so it's when these challenges show up. And then again, I, I'd said this previously, and I think it's really important to hammer it because it's so important is that when a challenge shows up, we also get these big reactions like stress, overwhelm, fear, anger, and for many people, those reactions themselves throw an additional wrench into the gears and makes it really problematic. Okay, so question number three then, what's the number one insight you would offer to help people right now with, with these sorts of things that are going on for them? Yeah, so I actually have two things I wanted to share. One is a bit of a kind of framing, and the second one is really the insight. So. I think it's really important to understand that we have two systems that are constantly at play in our brains. And they're kind of like two sets of muscles, like your bicep and your tricep. And the way that works is one set of muscles or one set of systems in our brain is designed to create more efficiency, to require less energy or time, right? People call that habits. And there's so many other names for that. It's an efficiency generating process. It requires less input, whether that's decision-making, thinking, or energy of any kind, and then creates a greater output. That's kind of like biceps. And many people, I was saying this about the strengths that entrepreneurs have, many, and business leaders, many of them have really done and worked out. They've done a lot of that kind of habit work, efficiency creating work, system creating work. That's how they created success in their businesses. And that's kind of like doing curls over and over again until you can do it with 70 pound weights but then ignoring the tricep and the tricep, the other group of muscles is very much an adaptive. It's a slow down, pay closer attention, make a shift or pivot when you need to. And the thing about that is that with our muscle system, with our body and skeletal system, when you use your bicep, your body does not also contract or use your tricep. Sometimes it uses it for stabilizing, but ultimately in order to really use the full range of motion and the full strength of the bicep, you need to loosen the tricep and vice versa. If you try mm -hmm. to, if you try to tighten both or use both at the same time, it can actually threaten to break your bones. And the only people who do that, by the way, the only people who uh, learn to and need to use both muscles, muscles or tighten them are bodybuilders. And they need to learn and be careful because you don't want, you don't want to break your bones. So that's a bit of the framework or background that tricep really represents a part of our brain, an element of our brain that's really designed to get us to slow down, to pay attention, to analyze and look at what's going on, to make a shift or pivot. And that's not an efficiency creating process. It's mm -hmm. the reverse. And so as far as adapting goes, what's really important to understand is adaptation can either be biological in our DNA 
or behavioral or actions. For any adaptation to be effective, it has to have three key components. There are three things we really need. I call them the three Ds, data, direction, and drive. I'm gonna explain them. This is the real number one insight here. Data is that we need to know that something isn't working or needs to change. We need data about what doesn't work and what might work. Otherwise, we don't even have a clue that there's a critical need to adapt. How many times have we missed something? And because of some information that we missed, we didn't make a change or shift and that cost us. And it can be as little as stubbing our toe or it can be as big as not noticing a market shift and losing a giant chunk of our client base, our user base. So the first piece of it is we really need data. The second piece is direction. Even with data, we still need to set our destination. We need a GPS. Every adaptation is about selecting direction. You wanna move away from something that isn't working and or towards something that is. And the third is drive. Drive really, I think about it as either hitting the gas or hitting the brakes. And when there's no ability to do that, and when there's no gas in the tank, we don't go anywhere. If we don't hit the brakes, we can slam into the car in front of us. And when it comes to being an entrepreneur or business leader, there are times where when you need to shift or pivot, you really need to tap the brakes or sometimes slam the brakes, or sometimes you really need to hit the acceleration in order to grow because there's an opportunity there. These are three really key components to adapting. Now, the very fascinating thing is we have a system in our brain that's designed to push and pull us to pay attention and try to engage these three Ds of adaptation. It's called your limbic system. And it's also often known as your emotion system. As it turns out that emotion for ourselves or for others at its core, it's not an outcome, it's not a result. It's not just trying to be disruptive to create chaos. It's actually disruptive by design. Any given emotion shows up under specific, even predictable parameters. And they have purpose. They have three purposes, in fact, and I just outlined them. Emotions give us data, direction, and drive. Most of us, though, we don't tap into it. Instead, we try to suppress or ignore it. How many entrepreneurs and business leaders have said, you need to make non-emotional decisions. Yeah. But it's really about understanding that it's trying to help you adapt. And if you know how to harness that, then your decisions aren't driven exclusively by your emotions, but your emotions become a critical source of data and they can give you direction. They can let you know when there's something that you need to move towards or move away from, and they can really drive you. Yeah, that definitely lines up with uh, you know the, the therapy model I was trained in, mm. which was that you know we're born with a set of social, physical, emotional, and biological and spiritual needs, mm-hmm. and the innate capacities to meet those needs. And emotions are a very important part of signaling when those needs are being met or not met. And yeah. then I think I think the last part of the picture is that ideally you're born into a family and a culture that teaches you everything else you need. Hmm. And I think that's where I think a lot of people are falling down, that we're increasingly being born into families and cultures that are not teaching you useful stuff hmm. or not teaching you anything. Hmm. But that's a whole nother well, question. we're all learning something. <laughs> The question is whether it helps us, whether it serves us. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. There's a tremendous amount of dysfunctional learning taking place out Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. 
And from my perspective, there's a specific emotion that's designed to let us know when we're learning something dysfunctional. Boredom. It's emotional pain. Emotional pain, some people call it suffering or hurt. It is an emotion that tells you that there is damage or dysfunction in your relationships, in your lives. It gives us that data. It gives us direction. It says you need to move away from some of that and develop a more functional way of working. And then it hits, it gives us drive. It hits on the brakes, it slams the gas, it can do both. It can grab the wheel and turn and it can be very difficult. And again, when it's not directed, it can be a very challenging roller coaster. Very, very challenging roller coaster. And we don't have to talk too much about getting into the point of dysfunctional that's much more in the diagnostic and, and therapeutic sense, right? I think it's really important to recognize that we have this set of systems and it tells us that most of us, we don't tap into that. Instead, we get kind of taught that your emotional pain is a problem. And if you show it to others, they're going to reject you. And then what yeah. do you do with that? You're kind of taught to try to get rid of it or to try to make it go away or to wish it would just go away. You know, I think it's really analogous to physical pain in a way. Physical pain shows up when there's damage or dysfunction in our bodies. We experience pain when we break a bone or when some part of our bodies is not functioning the way it really needs to. It's not functioning well. And that is the signal to go get medical attention. Yeah. Right. How many of us don't pay attention to that? I mean, that's what the, we don't have to go too far into this again, but that's the <laughs> yeah. whole opioid crisis is really about that. We stopped relating to pain as something that is telling us about damage or dysfunction. We started saying that it's something that's difficult and uncomfortable, so we need to get rid of it. It's another symptom of that same issue. So question number four, I think, give you another chance to, what, what concepts, book, program, or talk has been most formative or impactful in your experience that you'd want to share with it's a great the question. audience? Yeah, thank you. So I think the first thing that I would really share is therapy. And for me, really what there, where that comes from is I was born a sensitive kid, but it wasn't something I really realized until I was deep into my own therapy, until I was in my late 20s, really. And so I'll share with you a story. When I was seven, I was playing with a bunch of my friends in a guest house at a friend's place. And my brother was there and we were all around a pool table. And we were all, we weren't, we didn't really know how to play pool. So we were just kind of throwing the balls around. And I was, because I was seven and they were playing and I was kind of interested, I was leaning towards the table and I curled my hand, my fingers over the edge of that pool table. And my brother rolled a ball and it hit my hand at a, with a lot of force. And I immediately experienced a tremendous amount of pain. I mean, it was. And because I'm sensitive, what flared up there immediately was this huge anger. I was seeing red and I grabbed a ball and I pitched it so hard straight at my brother's head that it tore a two foot crater through the wall behind him. And I was lucky because he ducked. And in that moment, I had another massive explosion of emotions. I felt afraid because my brother is a year older than me and he was like a foot bigger than me. I felt ashamed. I felt scared. I was still incredibly angry. I felt so embarrassed. There were a dozen of my friends who saw this 
And immediately I felt like I destroyed any reputation I had. I lost every shred of respect for myself and everyone else. I'm bursting out crying and I'm flying out of that room. And I went and I hid for hours. And I just like really hammering myself in my head. And at the time, I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the understanding. And my emotions, for many of us, it shows up on a zero to 10. And for me, it feels like it shows up on a zero to 100. And a lot of times it's bouncing between 80 and 90. And I didn't have that luxury of being able to say, oh, I can ignore or set aside those emotions because they showed up so big. So for me, therapy really was a place where I first started to be able to make sense of and contextualize that my emotions aren't random, that they aren't invalid, or rather they're trying to do something. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until much later that I really kind of put together this understanding of what emotions are. And for me, it was a matter of survival because my next reaction was to say, my emotions are dangerous. They hurt me and people around me and I need to get rid of them. So I spent over a decade trying to learn to clamp down on them. And that led me into a really deep depression which again, thankfully therapy was super helpful for. It helped me kind of let go of holding so tight and trying not to let myself have any of those reactions. And so that was to me an incredibly impactful experience that I could go to therapy and because I was talking about it and trying to make sense of it, I could start to contextualize those things. And again, for me, it was really a lifelong experience. It wasn't until 25 years later that I finally realized what emotions are, that they have purpose, that they are, yes, signaling us and that they show up in very specific kinds of ways. And that's when I started to develop these tools of which I now have so many. I mean, I love to say, um, I'm gonna jump the gun on your next question, if that's okay. Oh, sure, yeah. What, what's, what's your free resource? Oh, I was gonna, so the free resource is actually uh, I have two worksheets that I'm really excited to share with you guys. One is that it's a worksheet on adaptation. So it really breaks down the three D's as we, as we talked about today. And it also gives you the space and kind of directs you for how you can think and write about them so that you can really direct yourself to be adaptive in a given situation. So that's one that I have. Another one that I have is I have a worksheet on overwhelm that shares with you a formula that really breaks overwhelm down into its really component pieces mm -hmm. and helps you understand that overwhelm. So I'll briefly kind of share that overwhelm. I'm really nerdy. So I, I made it into a formula overwhelm equals when our load is greater than our limits. So when we're carrying more than our capacity and what that means is for any, for any moment that we're experiencing overwhelm, it's telling us that we're redlining that we're pushing ourselves or where there's so much more on us. And that means that in order to harness that emotion, what we really need to do is recognize what it is and then address not just one side of it, which many people when they're overwhelmed try to just deal with or manage their load or get rid of or offload some things. What we also really need to do is address the second piece, our limits. If we can consistently expand our limits, then we can take on more load in a consistent way. And if we are intentional and aware, and that's what the purpose of our overwhelm is to tell us, you are having more load on you. You're getting overloaded. And if we didn't experience overwhelm, we would do that until we were crushed. So yeah, I have that resource and I'd love to share that. Yeah, so, and that's at the dryishai.com slash destiny awake? Or yes. is that, okay. That's, okay, so that'll be in the show notes. 
Dr. Yishai, Y-I-S-H-A-I dot com slash destiny hyphen awake. And then the last question is, what should I have asked you that I didn't ask you? Yeah, so that was something that I, I really love to say. I don't know if you or if you in the audience listening have ever seen my big fat Greek wedding. The uh, the patriarch of that family named named Gus, he has a line in that movie where he says, tell me a word, any word, and I'll show you how the root of that word is Greek. And I totally nerd out and I hack into adaptability. And for me, I feel like I can say the same thing, but for emotions, name an emotion, any emotion, and I can break it down. It's purpose, the three Ds, when and why it shows up and how to harness it when it does, even how to engineer it if or when you want to. And that's something that I do a lot. That's the work that I do. That's the transformation I help entrepreneurs and business leaders have. So if you'd like to name an emotion, any emotion, I just did it for overwhelm, name an emotion, any emotion. That's something that I can absolutely do. And I just love doing that. That's my passion. Yeah. Well, and that reminds me of what we were talking about before the show where, um, you know, I said that it sounds like your work is very related to Nassim Taleb's work on anti-fragility. Mm. You know, that beyond resiliency, which is just bouncing back, he says anti-fragility is actually systems, people that become stronger as a result of the shock or the impact mm -hmm. that they learn and grow from it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a perfect way to end the work that you're doing, Ishai. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Awakening interviews. If you have a friend who would benefit, please share and subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a review. We really appreciate it. And remember, always use your power for good.